Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. Good morning, Faith Church. Uh, God is so good, and I just want to take some time to just share a word with you guys today. Uh, you mind if I share a testimony this morning? It's not like a crazy one, but it was nice for me. Do you know that God can give you the desires of your heart? How many of you actually believe that? God can give you the desires of your heart. And some, sometimes those desires might be huge. They seem big. Sometimes they might seem like they're small and insignificant. But no matter what, God still loves to bless his children. So um, I've been, I have this desire to, to learn how to cook on a charcoal grill. <laughs> I know that's funny. Um, I know how to cook on a propane uh, grill. It's easier, it's cleaner, it's a lot faster, great. But uh, I think I watched this American barbecue show on, on Netflix, and I was like, mm, 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 mm. I got to learn how to do something like that. So um, I actually went to Lowe's towards the later part of last year, and I was looking around, and I was just shopping around, and Sometimes when you go shopping off-season, you can find some really nice deals at, like, really good prices. So I saw a grill, a charcoal grill, that was on sale. It was about $170 before. It was on sale for $84. And I was like, oh. I called my wife. I was like, babe, can we, you know, can we work something out? She gave me the green light. I bought it. And then uh, I didn't have space to pick it up. I had my car, so I had to come back and get it. And then when I came back to get it, I saw a different grill that was an even better price, but it was a propane one. And I was like, ooh, this one is really, really good. You know what? I'm actually going to return this one. So I never picked up my charcoal grill, okay? Never picked it up. I'm going to return this one, and I bought the propane because it was, just, it was just better. I had no grill at all. We were going to be hungry in the summertime. <laughs> so after I, I did that, um, this past week, uh, I, I went to Lowe's. I was looking for something else. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just put on my heart, just go take a look and see if that, that grill you purchased is still there. I was like, really? That, that grill should be long gone after that. At that price, at $84, it should be long gone. So I went to Lowe's. I went to the very back of the section where they had their grills. And lo and behold, the grill was still there. I think my name was attached to it, and the tag was inside the grill, so nobody knew how much it actually cost. So I opened it up, and it still said $84. I was like, well, God, this must be a sign. If it's here still, I'm going to get this too. So I went to the cashier, and I said, hey, I'm interested in buying a grill. Can someone help me out? She said, yeah, I'm going to get the, uh, one of the managers. And so she walked me out. I said, yeah, I'm looking to buy that grill. You know, what? funny story, I already actually purchased it, but then I returned it, and no one has purchased it. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to get it now. So she said, really? And then she opened up the thing and saw the price tag. And she said, oh, you're not going to get it for $84. This deal is long gone. I said, oh, okay. Um, I, didn't say, I didn't say anything else. I wasn't upset or mad. She said, you know what, let me just check the scanner. And she started typing in the numbers and her phone, and then she just, like, she just turned her phone over and just looked like, oh, my God. I was like, what? Show me. She said, oh, my God, I cannot believe this. I said, what? Show me. You got to show me. It's on sale for $42. I was like, sign me up. I'll take it now. Give me it now. I'm buying it now. She was so mad. She was like, if I had known this grill was back here, I would have bought it for myself. And then she took, she took it to the cashier that first told me, uh, got the manager, and said, look what he got this grill for, and sold her $42. She was like, I would have got it myself if I had known. I'm about to go through all those grills and see if the, the price change was on any of them. And I said, I want this. I said, well, God, if you brought it to $42, I, I don't even know if I need to use faith for that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to buy that. And, and I, I just want to encourage you today that God can bless you. God can give you the desires of your heart. And when you follow his leading, the lady thought she was going to charge me more for that. And God said, mm -mm, I'm going I'm to have to cut it in half because I want to bless my son. And I, I took that blessing. Can I get an amen? Now let's just pray I won't burn up some meat. All right. 
I, I, I just felt to share that because somebody in here might be believing God for something that might seem insignificant, but God really cares for you. And God can give you the very things that you desire. Amen. I want to start off with prayer. Father, I thank you for this time, this opportunity to be in your house, to share the word of God. I ask that you would anoint my lips and that I would speak the things that you would want to be said and that it would bring life and hope and encouragement straight from your mouth, Lord God. I thank you for everyone here, everyone that's watching, everyone that will be watching in the future, that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every single one of us. And we commit today to you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Today, I want to talk about um, something that we've been talking about for this year. We've been talking about discovering grace, and the title of my message today is Grace to Start Again. Grace to Start Again. And I was just praying um, asking, Lord, what do you want to share with your people today? What word did you want to, to, to really bring to us? And he reminded me of the fact that he provides grace for people to start again. And then he started to go through different sto- stories in the Bible that you see men and women of God that were in one situation And then God supplied grace for them, and now they're in a better situation. They are one aspect of life, and then God shows up, and there's another change in life. And and the grace of God is throughout the word. It's, It's something that I think the church really doesn't have a full grasp on, full understanding of the power that comes with grace. There is power in grace. When I was looking up some of the definitions of grace, you know, a lot of people talk about favor, goodwill, kindness, disposition. You know, God blesses us with unmerited favor. We did something that we don't deserve. We didn't do anything to get it. It's this favor that's upon our lives. And yes, that is, a, that is an a aspect of grace. There's a great benefit of having the unmerited favor of God because God will bless you. God didn't have to bless me with that grill for $42. But, and that, but that woman didn't understand why the price went down so low. But I understood I had favor. And it's the grace of God in my life. And so I can show up in something that might be set for one person. It'll be different for me because the grace of God functions in my life. So I wasn't shocked. I was just happy. I was like, oh, God, that's better than what I was expecting. You know, I I knew that the grace of God functions in that way. But the other aspect of the grace of God that I think the church struggles understanding and struggles applying to their life is that there's this favorable influence of God, this divine influence or the influence of the Holy Spirit in renewing the heart and restraining us from sin. I don't get a lot of amens for that one. Let me, let me, let me read that again. There's a favorable influence of God, divine influence or the influence of the Holy Spirit in renewing the heart and restraining from sin. There is a power in the grace of God that there's a divine influence from the Holy Spirit that empowers us to renew our hearts and that will cause us to restrain from going into sin. And there's nothing but the grace of God that can do that because we are made of flesh and our flesh likes to sin. Let me say that again. We are made of flesh And our flesh likes to sin. And so God understood that in order for people to maintain a good standing with God, a relationship with God, we needed his grace. Because it is only his grace that is going to restrain us from sin and then give us the influence of the Holy Spirit to do the very things that we could not do in our own strength. This grace is so wonderful. This grace is so powerful. This is why I believe that this year, as we're discovering grace, Christians, no matter how long you've been in a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's more to discover of the grace of God. 
There is more to be found in understanding the grace of God, especially in this day and age of our lives. And so I was like, God, okay, what stories, what, are you, what stories in the Bible can you talk about the grace of God with? And, and I was reading this story, and he brought me to the book of Job. Now, I have more questions than answers when it comes to this book. But I, I understand that God is God, and he does what he wants to do. And after reading this chapter, this book, you understand who am I to even question God? It starts off in Job chapter 1. And I'll just read it a little bit of the beginning to get you an understanding. Job chapter 1, reading verse 1. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was, a blameless, he was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants, and he was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. And this was Job's regular practice. I'm going to stop right there because that was loaded. It paints the story in the depiction of Job as this man that was blameless. He had complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. These are the characteristics of Job. He had sons and daughters. He had land. He had animals. He had money. He was wealthy. He was the richest person in the area at that time. So Job was a person that loved the Lord. He had valuables. He had possessions. He was doing his best to live before God. The Bible said that he was blameless. And you know what? It even talked about his children. And I don't know if you paid attention to what he said, the Bible said, but he had seven sons and three daughters, and oftentimes they would have parties, and I don't know what was going on in these parties, but they lasted for several days. And it leads me to believe that Job wasn't invited to these parties. And if your parents aren't invited to the party for several days, only a parent would know something is not right. And he didn't know what was going on. The Bible never went into detail about what his children did. The Bible never said they what kind of sin or if they sinned. Just Job just said if they did sin or if they did curse or if I'm hearing stories from people, I'm going to offer sacrifices to purify my children because I want them to serve the Lord. And I don't know. He was just a man of God. He wanted to protect his children. Can I get an amen? Job was a good father. Job was a good husband. Job was blameless. And sure enough, you know, the enemy likes to try to come in and mess things up. The funny thing about this story is the, there's a conversation between God and Satan, and God brings up Job. He says, had you thought about Job? He said, well, I have seen him. I've heard of him. I, I know of him. And but I bet you this one thing, if you took your hedge of protection down from off of him, he will curse you and he will, die. He will, he will deny you. And, and God was like, do what you want, but don't touch his body, don't make him sick, and don't kill him. And you keep reading this story. And then the next thing you know, the worst day of Job's life happened. The Bible says... A servant came in running, and they started listing off problems. Sir, your, 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 your sheep, your cattle, your, your stock, it's gone. 
It's gone. You don't have it anymore. I, I escaped the trouble that was happening. Your, your children, they were having a party. And the wind blew and something happened and the, the house collapsed and killed every single one of them. And I was the only one to escape. It was story after story. The Bible said before one person could even finish their story, somebody else came in with bad news. And in one moment, everything that Job loved and was proud of and had worked for his entire life was destroyed. It was gone. And that wasn't enough for Satan. Satan goes back and have a conversation. He said, well, you know, you took the hedge of protection down from Job's stuff, but if you, if you take your hedge of protection from off his body, and if he were to get sick, he would curse you. He would curse you. And God says, all right, do what you want, but don't take his life. Job gets boils all over his body. And you know what? His wife was like, Job, after all this craziness, and now you got boils on your body? You ought to curse God and die. I don't know if Satan was back there speaking in her ears, have Job say this. But she said the same exact words that Satan wanted Job to say. You better be careful who you listen to, people. You better be, I don't care who it is. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, don't listen to it. And so she spoke to him and said, you ought to curse God and die. And Job was not having it. He was upset. He was mad. He was, de he was depressed. He was in anguish. I mean, who wouldn't be in a situation like that? And then the Bible also says that he had three friends, so-called friends, that came over. And they had to have some kind of love or compassion for him because the Bible says that they sat with him for seven days in silence. They sat with him for seven days in silence. I have never sat with anyone for seven days in silence. <laughs> Granted, I, I never went through, and I pray to God that I never go through anything that Job went through. But for, for friends to come over, imagine one of your friends coming over for seven days and he ain't say nothing to you. I'd be like, get up out of here, get out. <laughs> Eating up my food, messing up my house for seven days. And they started making assumptions. Well, Job, you must have sinned. If this all happened to you, something must have been wrong. They had their accusations. They had their thoughts about what God, who God is and what God would have allowed. And they had their own thoughts. And Job is, uh, is just trying to stand up for himself and just say, if I just had a moment to be in the audience of God and make my case and ask God, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? What did I do? I lived a life full of integrity. I used to be someone of, of stature. People used to listen to me. When I walked by, people would just, uh, just want to ask for wisdom. When I spoke, they listened to me. When I wanted to do something, something, it was done. Job understood I had everything. I was doing everything right, and now all of a sudden, everything has gone away. People laugh at me. People mock me. People think that I've done some crazy sin, and I had done nothing wrong. I want an audience with God. And then you go in later on chapter 38, the Bible, and I was trying to read it. I must, I have to go back and check it out and see what, but, but God just shows up in a whirlwind. God shows up in a whirlwind. Oh, I got to read this, y'all. I'm just, y'all think I'm playing around. I got to go back to the Bible, Bible. Verse, Job chapter 38, it starts off like this. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. And then you go on and hear this. Now, first of all, if God says something about brace yourself like a man, I 
I don't even, I just would have laid out on the floor like, God, I'm just, I'm done. I, I'm so sorry. He said, brace yourself like a man. And he begins to start to list out all the things that only God could do. Who has the power to tell the sea that you can only go this far? Don't you dare cross this line. Who has the ability to tell the darkness that you can only reach this certain stance? Who has the ability to know where light comes from and where the darkness goes to? He begins to declare, who knows the foundations of the earth? Who knows where the gates of hell stand? Who understands the depths of this world? Who created everything that has ever been seen and not seen? I am the God Almighty. He begins to speak of animals and creatures and things we have never heard of. It goes over my head. I'm just like, well, I don't. If God told me to brace myself like a man and start listening out this stuff, I'd have been like, I don't know what to say, God. I don't know what to do. I don't. I, he, he laid it all out for him. Job gets to the place after God List up. Now, God didn't have to do this. God could have just killed Job. But for some reason, he loved Job so much, he said, I, I'm going to grant his request. I, he wants an audience? Oh, I'm going to give him an audience. He shows up in the world when, and speaks to him. He doesn't say, brace yourself like a man one time. He, he does it two times. He says, brace yourself like a man. Let me tell you something about something. You don't know nothing about nothing. Who was the one that gave you those seven, those ten kids? Who was the one that brought those sheep and cattle and the oxen and your servants and the land and the prosperity? Who is the one that caused all this to come into play? It is I, God, the Lord God Almighty. God created all of that. God gave him all of these things. And after God has his conversation with Job, In the last chapter of the book of Job, Job replied to the Lord and says, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You ask, who is this? Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you, you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in the dust and ashes to show my repentance. Sometimes we talk too much, y'all. Sometimes... We're, when we're going through a situation or if somebody else is going through a situation, we talk too much, guys. We don't know God like we think we know him. You don't understand the creator of the whole universe. You don't understand the wisdom behind what he does and what he does not do. We will never fully understand it. And Job got to the place of realizing, God, I was wrong. I take back everything that I said. I don't know anything. And we need to live a lifestyle of like, God, I don't know anything. I need you to speak to me. After the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he's talked to the other three knuckleheads. And he said, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken accurately about me. Do you know that people in the church cannot speak accurately about God? Sometimes people can claim to know, oh, well, I know why they're going through this situation. They sinned. I know why this is going on because they, you know, back in 1992, I can't tell you the rest of it, but if you just look at my head, you can tell what I'm talking about right now. In 1992, it wasn't a great year for them, if you know what I mean. People started talking and saying different things. Well, that must not have been the will of God if it failed. Who, who are you? Who are you to have the audacity to say that something wasn't God or somebody didn't hear from God because it didn't work out the, thing, the way that you think it was supposed to work out? 
Church, we have to get back to a place of trusting and leaning on God's word and understanding his word is what's best. And so God was angry at his friends. So he said, I need you. You need to go to Job's house. You need to bring this offering and you need Job to pray for you. And only when Job prays for you, I, I, will, uh, I will not give you what you're supposed to deserve. Because right now I should be able to kill you, basically. Right now, you are supposed to be punished for not accurately speaking about me. And then the Bible says that they did this. They brought their offering to Job, and the Bible said that Job prayed for them. In verse 10 on chapter, uh, chapter 42, and when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. Now, this, this all the way up to 40, chapter 42 there was a whole bunch of stuff that was going on, a lot of conversations, a lot of tragedy. Uh, and you're probably talking about where does the grace come to start again come in? See, in life, sometimes we might go through some traumatic things. And the enemy tries his hardest, tries his very hardest to make us stop dead in our tracks and not use our faith again. He will try his very hardest to steal your joy, to steal your peace, to make you be disobedient to the word of God, to make you not dream again, to make you not believe what God has said is going to happen. The enemy will try to shut you up because of circumstances in your life. But I'm here to tell you today that Job heard the word of the Lord. God said, you need to pray for them because the only way that they're going to be okay is if you pray. And so they brought their offerings to Job. Job prayed for them. And then the Bible says that when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his, front, his fortunes twice as much as he had before. So immediately, God began to do something in Job's life where everything that was taken away was given back to him double. All his wealth that was taken away in one moment was restored. People started talking about him. Now he's starting to, the people are talking about him in a bad way. Now they're starting to say, look at Job. Look at him. He looks a lot better. He looked better before than he, when he had his boils on him. He looked so much better even before that. What happened? And at that moment, some of the riches happened. But you know what really showed me that Job trusted God and stepped out in faith? God blessed him with seven sons and three daughters again. Now, some of us, after losing those, those children, we'll just be like, I can't do this anymore. I can't dare think to lose children like this again. I'm not having this. I'm, I'm going to throw in the towel. But I believe that the grace of God functions so much so in Job's life that God gave him the ability to restore everything that was stolen. Gave him the strength and the ability to continue to have children. You know, the Bible even talks about, when you read the Bible, you got to pay attention to the details because sometimes the, the, there's a blessing in the details. The Bible said that he had three, three, he had three more daughters and they were the most loveliest daughters most lovely looking daughters in that area. So much so that the Bible said that he added these three daughters into his will. Now, I don't know what the other three daughters got, but it don't sound like they were in the will. <laughs> it sounded like these kids were better than the, the old kids. And some of us, we might have kids, we need them. Some of us, we might have kids, we need God to do a work on them so that they can be lovely now. I'm going to just leave it at that. But I say that with grace because God can do that. I'm not, it's not a joke. You, you, you might feel like your kids, you, you're afraid to even talk about what you feel. But 
God can change that completely around. He can change it around in a moment. But I believe that Job had to function in the grace of God even while he was being restored. He had to have. He had to function in the grace of God to even want to have children and bear children and to raise them up again and to do this thing again. Because here's the thing. If the enemy can get you to stop dead in your tracks and never grow, he's won. If he can shut your mouth up, he's won. If Job would have said, I cursed God and died, the devil would have won. But no, Job was a man that loved God and feared him, and even after having an encounter with God, he chose to pursue and do what God says. Amen? I can go on and on about this, but Job had to decide to start again. We all got to get to that place, church, because I believe that even as a church, even as Christians, or maybe you don't even know Christ, there has to be a point where we have to start again. There might be some areas in your life where you feel like the enemy has come in and just destroyed that you've been. Maybe this past year has been a year where you felt like Job. News after news after news of something going wrong, something happening. They release you from your job. You got bills you can't pay. You're dealing with issues in your body. You're sick after sickness, things after thing after thing. But there is grace for you. There is grace for you. I think about Peter. Peter, who loved the Lord, and he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He followed the Lord for many years, seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. And he even had enough of the Spirit of God in him to know that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And yet, he has a conversation with Jesus, and Jesus says, you know, you're going to deny me three times and there's going to be a rooster that's going to crawl on the third time. Oh, no, no, that will never happen, Jesus. No, 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 no. Don't even, don't say that. And, and Jesus goes on and say, you know, the, Satan desires to get you. He wants to sift you like wheat. But I, I prayed for you. Remember that, okay? And Peter, sometimes in his Arrogance says, no, that will never happen to me. I'll never deny you. That's, nothing, that's something that's never going to happen, Jesus. I can assure you of that. But what happens when the tribulation starts happening? Hey, ain't that the man? Ain't that the man that was with Jesus the other? I think I seen him with the hair. Yeah, him. I don't know Jesus. Leave me alone. Never seen him before. Wait a second. No, no. No, another person. I'm pretty sure I saw you somewhere. Let me look through my feed on Instagram. I, does this look like this person? I think this is, no, no, I don't know Jesus. It, it takes a little, and then a, there's a little hand girl that says, aren't you the friend of Jesus? <laughs> and you know, the Bible even talks about how, how Peter cursed him. It was like he, start, he started to revert all the way back to sinning. I don't know, bleep, 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 uh, Jesus. And then, go, 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 go! You know what? The Bible said that when he heard that rooster crow, he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly because I don't, I don't know if it was the fact that he actually got to the place where he started cussing and denying Jesus and acting like this whole thing never happened. Or the fact that Jesus warned him that this was going to happen. And it happened exactly like Jesus said. But he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly before God. And I believe that even in the midst of realizing that he just denied Jesus Christ three times like he said, I think the part that must have resonated in his spirit in the times and the moments to come was the fact that Jesus said, I prayed for you. Now, Peter could have very well said, I cursed this man, I don't know Jesus, and he could have went about his business, and you would have heard nothing else about this man named Peter. 
But something was inside of him that even when Jesus was resurrected from the grave, he had to run and go see what was going on. He had to go see about this God. Then it was one day when he was on the boat fishing because he was reverting back to his old job, trying to catch some fish when God designed Peter to be a fisher of men. And Peter sees Jesus. Jesus tells him to catch a net on the other side to get this load. And he realizes, oh, my gosh, this is the man that I followed all, all these years. This is the man that, that died for our sins. And he embraces Jesus. And, and Jesus restores him. But I want to say there is grace in the words of God. I believe that Peter did not run away from his calling because he remembered that moment when Jesus said, I, I prayed for you. It gave him some kind of hope. I believe, I believe really in my heart of hearts that even though he messed up, he realized that God still wanted to do something with him. And I believe that at that moment when Jesus was talking to, to Peter, and he asks Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes. And he tells him three times, going to feed my sheep. God was restoring him and building him up. He was giving him words of grace. He said, if you really love me, I know, forget about the denial. I just want you to feed my sheep. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter comes, stands up after the, at the church had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he speaks so powerfully that I believe it was 4,000 people were added to the church in that, one, in that one day. Peter was carried by the grace of God, the, the words that God spoke. Jesus said, I prayed for you. Sometimes it's the prayer of Jesus that's carrying you and keeping you alive. At some point, Peter had to make the decision to take the grace that God had and start again. He had to believe God again. Peter didn't just deny Jesus and never spoke about Jesus again. He might have denied him, yes. He might have cussed, yes. He might have did some wrong things, yes. He might have cut off some people's ears, yes. He might have done some stupid things, but, but God still had grace for him. And Peter became one of the most powerful apostles. He was one of, the, one of the guys that was very influential in the early church. And if it had not been for the grace of God, he would not have been able to do it. You take a look at someone like Mary, the mother of Jesus. Holy. Someone that God had an eye and said, you know, this girl... It's perfect to bring in the Son of God. Now, Mary, she was already in a relationship with uh, Joseph and was getting ready, was engaged and getting ready to get married. And then Mary has this encounter with God. And in one moment, her whole life changed around. And she conceived Jesus. Now, one moment, everything was good. She was in La La Land with her boy, her boo, uh, Joseph. They was good. They was getting ready to go. And now she has to come to Joseph and say, we need to talk. And Joseph, I mean, I mean, guys, it's not that hard. If, you're, if somebody that you love come up and say that they have a baby, you got a whole bunch of questions. And if it ain't you, you know it ain't you? You got a whole bunch of questions. I know I would have a whole bunch of questions. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's going on here? And there was a moment where Joseph wanted to end everything. He wanted to just put her away quietly, not to bring any shame to her. But God had to come and speak to him in a dream through an angel. And God spoke to Joseph and let him. But let me say this. Mary had to start again. I mean, her life before that moment where she encountered Jesus completely changed. People were talking about her. People were bad-mouthing her. 
She had to bear the shame and, and just people not really knowing the truth of what God is doing. See, sometimes when God does stuff in your life, people are just not going to understand it. And Mary had to live with a certain amount of grace. Joseph had to live with a certain amount of grace. Hearing people talk about his wife taking care of a child that is technically not his. There was a grace to start again that they had to receive. And then Mary gave birth to Jesus, and Jesus grows up to do the most wonderful, miraculous things. And now people talk about Mary and Joseph all the time, at least once a year. <laughs> and then you think about Paul. Let me go there for a moment. Because I think out of everyone, Paul was the one that spoke most about this grace. Although you may not see it all over the place, it's there. I believe it was functioning. But Paul talks about this grace, realizing that he himself was a great sinner condemning the church, arresting Christians rooting for them to be executed and die and thrown into jail and tortured. He stood there and watched Stephen get stoned and picked up his garments, cheering them on as they were stoning him. And then he has one moment on the road to Damascus. And God changed his whole life around. Struck with blindness, couldn't see, didn't have the desire to eat or drink for three days, and was just waiting for a, for a word from God. And God so miraculously changed his life around. Nobody wanted to be around him. His old crew didn't like him. The Christians were afraid of him. Nobody wanted Paul around. Thank God for Barnabas who came around and put his arms around him and said, I see something in you. The hand of God is in you. We're going to do this. But Paul had an understanding of the grace of God because he understood more than anybody else that he did not deserve to be a man of God. He did not deserve to be someone preaching about the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially after so many years of cheering on and trying to get rid of Christians. He understood the guilt and the shame that was upon him for the wicked things that he'd done on his life, but something happened when the grace of God touched him. He completely changed his way of life. He became hungry and started reading the scriptures and started praying and started seeking the Holy Spirit. And God changed his life around and the word of God carried him and the grace of God changed him. He began to walk in power and authority and people were being healed and set free. He began to write down the miracles that God had done, he began to hear from the Lord. And this is where we get most of our New Testament from because a man of God was touched by the grace of God. There is grace. Paul had grace to start again. Paul had grace to start again. Uh, uh, he thought that it was so important that when he was writing his letters to the churches, if you go back in your New Testament and you start reading this, I don't know if you ever noticed this, um, but at the beginning of most of those chapters and at the end of most of those, at, at the beginning of the book and at the end of each book, most of the time he would mention something about grace. He would start off and say, grace and peace be multiplied to you. May you go with the grace of the Lord. Every time he wrote to the church, he said, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. I believe that he understood the power of grace and that he was trying to instill to the church that the only way you can be the church is if you function in the grace of God. 
A lot of this, this, the scriptures that he was teaching and writing down, even he would start off with grace and peace because he was trying to get them to a place to understand you can't do this in your flesh. And I'm about to list out your fleshly acts and I'm going to show you how to deal with it in the spirit. But you need the grace of God to do it. Did anybody get that? We, we cannot fulfill the words that are in this book if we don't obtain the grace of God. Let me say that again. We cannot obtain and, and, and fulfill the words of this book if we don't obtain the grace of God. He said multiply. Let it be multiplied in your life. Let the peace of God be multiplied in your life. We need an abundance of grace. We need an abundance of God's favor. We need an abundance of the power of God that keeps us from sinning, that refrains us from sinning. Paul was dealing with some crazy stuff if you start reading those books of the Bible of who was sleeping with who and who was stealing what and what was going on and who said what, what, what. Paul did with all of that stuff, but he started off with grace and peace be multiplied to you and say, and ended off with may the grace of God be with you. Because he understood that the church cannot do anything without we can't, we can't function. We cannot accomplish what God has for us unless we have the grace of God. I shared this with you, church, today because we need to function in that grace. I said we need to function in that grace. And there might be some of us that are struggling in different areas of our lives and you don't even know why certain things are happening to you. Let me say an encouraging word. Just because something happened to you doesn't mean that God hates you. And it doesn't even mean that you did anything wrong. The enemy is the enemy. He just does what he does. And part of his job description is to kill, steal, and destroy. And so just because we have had tough times ahead of us does not mean that we get to neglect the grace of God that's made available to us. You know you can neglect the grace of God? I mean, I, I think about, you know, on one side you got Peter who followed Jesus and he denied Jesus three times. And the other side you got, you got Judas who betrayed Jesus both of them betrayed Jesus in one way, shape, or form. And Judas ends up taking his own life because he didn't function in the grace of God. You got two extremes. Church, we need to function in that grace. We got to fun function in that love. And the amazing thing is that when you dive into this word of God, when you hear the word of God, it produces that grace. When, you, when God speaks to us, some of us have received prophetic words, and, and in those prophetic words, there is a level of grace that is made available for you. Is, is somebody getting this? When God's called you to do something, there is a level of grace that is made available to you. And I can't tell you how many Christians don't tap into this grace. And that when a hard, something hard stops them in their way, they don't start again. They just stay there. I'm just, I can't do this anymore. I can't afford to be hurt like this. This is too painful. This is too tough. This is too traumatic. I, why would I try for a kid, to, kid again if I had a miscarriage before? Why would I try to, to seek love when, when the last person I was in a relationship tore my heart up? Why would I trust someone again when the last person I trust took advantage of me? Why would I go to a church again where the last church I went to, they just really messed with my mind and I don't even know if I believe God anymore? Why would I do this? Why would this happen? There's so many things that would happen in life, but if you, if you, if you find and encounter God, one moment with the Lord God Almighty can change your whole life around. One moment and you receive a word from God covered and wrapped with the grace of our God. When he speaks, the grace of God comes active in your life. Every one of these people I mentioned had an encounter with God. Whether it was God in a whirlwind, whether Jesus showed up in flesh again, whether it was the Spirit of God just speaking, 
They had an encounter with God and the word was released and that word was packed with grace. That word was packed and packaged and wrapped with the grace of God in it. And if you understand the grace of God, that means you have access to it, church. God is telling you that there is grace to start again. I don't know what you're believing God for. I don't know what stopped in your life. I don't know what you were praying to God before about one time and another, and then you just, you just stopped because so many things happened that you just stopped. You just stopped. Life got hard. Things got crazy. But I'm here to encourage you today that there is grace to start again. Please stand with me this morning. There is grace to start again. I don't know what you believe in God for. I don't know what has been stopped up in your life. Maybe your children aren't serving the Lord and you feel like Job and your children are out doing things and you just don't know. You've just been praying and you, I want to encourage you. You've been praying for your kids. Your prayers are not neglected. God is not neglecting your prayers. In fact, I believe that many of your prayers have shielded your children from losing their lives. So you keep praying. Can I get an amen? You keep praying. And yes, things may have happened, but God is... We have no idea what God has done. We have no idea, so we can't get upset or mad at God. We can just use our faith and pray to God. Can I get an amen? amen? And we can really just ask God, I need your grace. Start calling your children back in. Start declaring that their lives are going to be changed around and that they're going to, they're going to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in here, you're, you're trying to... to you're trying to, 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 to restart your marriage. There are some of you here that you need grace to start again in your marriage. Where one person may have done wrong or both of you have done wrong, you're both at it. contesting, but there's grace to start again. Maybe you're believing to have children. There's grace to start again. Maybe you're believing for a spouse. There's grace to, to start again. What word has God spoken to you? If you get a word of God, whether you get a word from reading the Bible and God declares a promise or he declares a word over your life and you read it, or whether God speaks to you and shares a word with you, you believe it. But let me tell you a secret that I'm finding out that the grace of God is wrapped up in his word. And it's released when we start taking actions of, and steps of faith. So what step of faith do you need to take to activate the grace in your life? If you're in here today, I want every eye closed, every head bowed, and you're, those of you that are watching online right now, you might be feeling like, man, I, I, I don't even know if I can start again. I never started. I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I don't know God like that. I haven't had a relationship. Well, you're not here by mistake. You're not here by chance. You're not watching by mistake. God is offering up an opportunity where he can speak to you and give you life abundantly. And he can provide that grace for you to live a life, that grace that will help you to restrain from sin, that grace that provides unmerited favor, undeserved favor that only God can give. And I want to make an opportunity with every eyes closed, every head bowed in this place. Those of you watching along, you might be thinking, I need to make things right with God today. 
and I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe it's for the very first time, or maybe you need to do it again. If that's you, I want you to make your way down front. I want to pray with you. If you want to turn your life around, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, this is the time and the moment to do it. Don't miss it. Don't, don't let it pass by because you never know. You might go to a house party like Job's children did and it just falls down on you. You never know. If you're watching online, you can let us know and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. We have people that will pray with you and encourage you. But I would be remiss if I didn't offer an opportunity for someone to encounter this grace. I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation because maybe you don't have the strength or the courage or the boldness to come out right now that's okay and I'm praying even especially for those watching online because you never know never know God can be speaking directly to you let's pray Father in the name of Jesus if you want to get saved, you need to repeat this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of every sin. Cleanse me and make me whole. Show me what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Fill me with your grace, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again with all power in your hand. Thank you for changing my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Lastly today, I want to pray a prayer of grace. Now, there might be some of you in here that you know you need the grace of God to, to carry you in this next season of life. Some of you need this grace to start again. I, there's people on, online right now that just need the grace to start coming to church again or start giving again or start serving again or becoming just being active again. The world has pinched you in and boxed you in and tried to silence your voice, but God is saying that I have grace for you today. I want to change that all around. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be afraid. It is time to start again with faith. By the grace of that's made available to you. If you're here today and you just really want the grace of God to overflow in your life, and maybe you just need help moving forward in this next area of your life, I want you to come down and we're going to pray. Come on, just make your way down to the altar today. If you want this grace, your grace and mercy brought me through I'm living each moment because of you and I want to thank you and praise you too your grace and mercy Anybody know that song today? Say, say your grace and mercy. Come on, receive it. Brought me through. Brought me through. I'm living each moment. I'm living each moment. Because of you. Because of you. Say, I want to thank you, God. I want to One more time today. Say your grace, your grace and mercy brought me through. I'm living each moment because of you. Say I want to thank you. I want to 
sing your grace and mercy brought me through come on come on come on there's some more don't miss this opportunity for you to receive this grace don't miss this opportunity to discover another level of grace of God in your life there are people that are just waiting for God to do some things around and you've been stuck you've been feeling tormented the enemy has been stealing your joy you need to be making your way up here right now right now right now right now no matter where you're at there is grace there is grace made available today there is grace today tap into it discover this grace come on those of you at this altar you need to lift your hands up to god come on lift up your hands to god and ask god for his grace let him wrap you with this grace today Lord, pour out your grace on your people. God, pour out your grace on your children today. The grace of God. The grace of God. That's it. The grace of God. Come on, some of you are taking a walk of faith today. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Come on, you need to just receive it today. You need to just receive it today. Come on, it is the grace of God that will keep you from sinning. It is the grace of God that will empower you. It is the grace of God that will give you direction. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the name of Jesus. You just need to receive it today. You need to open your mouth and thank God for the grace. You need to open your mouth and say, God, I need your grace. God, I want to function in your grace today. God, I need to function in your grace today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it right now. God is releasing his grace over you. You ought to lift your hands and open your mouth and thank God for his grace. Your grace is sufficient, God. Your grace is sufficient, God. There is grace for you today. Before I even hear my spirit, there are those of you that say, how do I walk in this faith? How do I activate this grace in my life? And the Lord would say, just start taking one step at a time. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And your, your, what God wants you to do is seek him and ask him for the next order. Ask him for the next step. And the way that you are walking in your grace is by actually walking it out. The way that you function in your grace is that you actually take steps to walk in it. And when you come up against a roadblock, ask God for more grace. And remind him of the word that he's spoken over your life. The words that is just locked up in your heart. And it will give you grace. When the angel spoke to Mary, Mary pondered those words within her heart. And it was those words that carried her through all of the torment, the anguish, the humility that she had. The grace of God carried her because she had a word from God. For the Lord who wants you to function and move in this grace and just seek him for that next step. One step after another step after another step. So Father, in the name of Jesus,
for everyone that's up here at this altar today, for everyone that's watching online right now, God, may the grace of God be multiplied in their lives. Father, I pray that you will take them into higher heights and deeper depths. Lord, I pray that you would give them the desires of their heart. Father, I pray that you will give them the faith to step out in faith to, to do the things that you have placed in their hearts to impact the kingdom of God, to impact the kingdom of God, Lord, to make a difference. And may they see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Father, give them grace to start again. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty, wonderful name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give God some praise today. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.